Well, good morning, all shores. Welcome. Would you stand and join us in singing this morning? I count on one thing. The same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Oh, yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Oh, yes, I 
the picture of that song because it really gives us just the the full story of the gospel the story that that this God although he was the creator of the universe he's a God who loves each and every one of us as a son or a daughter and this last week has been a busy week for me um, just kind of prepping prepping our new house we're moving up into this area my wife and I and it's been a lot of hard grueling work right just like ripping my hands apart, pulling out tacks out of flooring and, and uh, painting walls and painting ceilings. But um, during this week, it was so cool because as I was doing all this hard labor, <laughs> the Spirit of God reminded me in a very uh, powerful way of how Christ, you know, with the disciples, he shared how he was going to prepare a place for them. And I just thought, like, in our own house, like, we're, we're doing a lot of things to make the house our own, right? We're, we're picking colors, and we're picking carpet, and we're picking flooring, all these kind of fun things to make it feel like home. But I love that we serve a God who's doing the same exact thing for us, but he's doing it with eternal perspective. And he knows individually <laughs> the things that light you up, the things that excite you. You have a God who not only loves you, but he wants to have a personal and deep relationship with you. And I don't know about you, but when I think about that, my heart is just filled with incredible gratitude and thankfulness. And we just want to take time and service today to respond to that. And I don't know where your story is. Maybe you feel very close and connected to God. Maybe you're walking into this place today and this is the first time you've stepped in church for 10 years. Or maybe you've never stepped in church before. But my encouragement for you today is that you are here for a reason. <laughs> and the Spirit of God wants to do something in your life today. And so just take time and space today in this place to allow God's Spirit to meet you. And I want to begin by just taking time together. Think about ways that God has moved personally in your life. It can be something incredibly amazing and miraculous, or it could be something as simple as, you know what, I've just felt God's peace in the busyness of life. 
But whatever that is, reflect on how God has moved in your life. And as we sing this song together, just sing your gratitude back to him and invite him to meet you in that. Let's sing this song. sing these songs as I often do but every song Sing it out to him today. Come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song. Cause you got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. Get up, get up, get up, get up. Come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song. Cause you got a lion inside of those stones Get up and praise the Lord Come on, sing it one more time, come on my soul Come on my soul Oh, 
Respond to the Lord. Is all, all that I have is Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I know it's not much. I'm nothing else fit for a king. Except for a heart singing Hallelujah. God, we are so grateful that we serve a God who cares so deeply for each of us. God, may our hearts overflow with thankfulness and gratitude today. scripture tells us is that the angels um, the angels are beings who continuously worship the Lord and if you want to read about it you can go to Isaiah chapter 6 but it talks about how they sit in the throne room of God and how they constantly cry out holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty that's my paraphrase of course but I think today the Spirit of God is inviting us into that place of thankfulness and just constantly crying out to him and, and shouting our adoration. And so I just want to finish our time of worship today by just singing the, kind of this, this older song and just singing out and joining the angels in our cries of holy, holy, holy are you, Lord. Oh, God, you are worthy of all of our praise, all of our gratitude. And we could sing it forever, God, and still not say enough of how good you are to us. Oh, we're thankful for you, Lord. We're thankful for your love for us. Even when we didn't deserve it, God, you reached out. You forgave. You forgave us, Lord. Day and night, night and day, let incense rise. Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. Day and night, night and day. Let's sing that again, church. Day and night. Well, day and night, night and day, let incense arise. We join with the angels. Night and day, let incense oh, Day and night, night and day, let incense 
eyes to him today. as we go to just a minute of prayer I just want to encourage you that as we praise the Lord when we worship him the darkness gets pushed back and the reason is Satan wanted glory for himself he wanted praise and worship and he was sent out of heaven the most beautiful being that was created because he wanted it for himself. And so when we praise the Lord, that darkness that came to steal, kill, and destroy us gets pushed back. And I know when we're in a darker place, a hard place, it's harder to worship, but all the more when you do, you'll start to feel the burdens lift. And that's the Holy Spirit working in and through you. Well, this morning we're gonna take a moment of prayer. And I just wanna encourage you that if you've found yourself uh, a little heavier than normal, or maybe you're going through a difficult time, can you just take a seat right where you are? We want to pray for you. We want to pray with you. People might come around and put a hand on your shoulder, and that's just to let you know that you are not alone, that we're here. We're your family. We love you. God loves you. And when all you have to bring is yourself, it is enough. Let's pray. God, we are thankful that all we have to bring is enough. It's all you ever wanted. You wanted our heart, soul, mind laid before you as a sacrifice, as an offering for you to live through us and do with us what only you can do. Turn us into people who love more like you do, who care more like you do, who believe in hope, because you are our hope. You're the hope of the world. And God, we worship you this morning. We praise your name. Push back the darkness. God, for those in a difficult place, Father, we pray that you would lift their spirits, that they would feel your spirit even stirring within them, bringing renewal, bringing refreshment, bringing transformation, bringing hope where they're hopeless making a way where they don't see a way. God, restoring relationships 
transforming lives, bringing provision for those who need provision and healing in our bodies for those who need healing. Oh God, we are grateful that none of those things are too hard for you. And we're thankful that today you pushed it back, the darkness, just a little bit more. We thank you for the things that we feel and see, and we thank you for those that we do not yet see. But we trust in you, Jesus. You are our hope. God, we also pray for Spring Lake Baptists today. Father, you are their hope. God, we pray that you would bless their congregation. We pray that your word would go out and that many would come to know you because of their ministry. Father, we pray for the Gomez family in Mexico. And Jesus, we just ask you to be present as they build a discipleship program, that you would be their wisdom and you would give them discernment, that you would bring provision and you would make a way for them. We ask you for protection over their family as they serve you in Mexico. And God, we love you. We praise and worship you. We adore you. And everyone said, amen. Well, if you're here in the worship center, you may take a seat. We're just so glad that you're here worshiping with us today. If you're watching us online, thank you for being with us. And if you are a guest, if this is maybe your first or second time with us, we'd love to get a gift into your hands. So on your way out, stop at the Connection Center. It's by the prayer room. Let us give you a gift and say hello. There's also hard copy forms of our Connection card there. And we'd love for you to fill that out so that we could uh, just get to know you and help you take a next step here at All Shores, answer some questions for you. You could also access that card online. You can also access it through the QR code that you see in front of you. But we're just really glad that you're here today. And as we continue our worship service through giving, you know, it might be that you wonder, well, how, how I hear this worship through giving, but I, I don't really know what that means. I don't know how you would do that. I get it through singing and prayer. Well, let me just explain that, you know, it might be that when you get paid, you just thank the Lord for your gift. And as you go to write that check or you go to push that button on our e-giving site, as you give your contribution back to the Lord, you just ask him, to extend that gift, ask him to multiply that gift beyond its size. And it doesn't matter the size, right? Because in God's economy, there's a thing called God math, and I don't even understand it. But let me tell you, he can multiply even the smallest of gifts. And so can I just thank you ahead of time for your giving? Thank you for worshiping the Lord this way. And if you came prepared to give, we do have giving boxes in the lobby on either sides of the doorways or you can give online, but thank you for participating in this act of worship with us. If you're a guest, there is no expectation for you to give. We hope you enjoy our service, and I'll take a look at the screens for a couple more announcements. Hi, All Shores families. We are so excited to invite you to Fall Fest Spooktacular on Monday, October 31st from 4 to 6 p.m. All the businesses will be passing out candy and All Shores will be here at Tanglefoot Park and we'll be passing out donuts and cider. We'll have a raffle and an awesome trunk or treat where we're passing out candy. We would love for you to participate. You can go to allshores.org events to sign up to serve. You can donate candy in your lobby, or you can just invite your friends and neighbors to come and hang out with the All Shores family. We'll see you at Fall Fest Spooktacular.
Well, I want to welcome those joining us online and all of you here in our Spring Lake campus. This is the third week of a series we've titled Give or Take. And before we open the scriptures, before we get into the teaching today, I want to invite you to pray in the quiet that we believe firmly that God is a God of revelation. It's not about information or persuasion or even communication. It's ultimately about revelation. And so we want you just to be honest with God. If you're among us, whether online or here, and you're dealing with doubt, skepticism, questions, not sure what you think about this whole Christianity piece, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, whether you're thinking you're growing, you're kind of stuck, you're wherever you are in it, whatever questions, whatever you want to tell God, just speak to him in the quiet. Ask him to speak to you, to lead you, and then I'll pray for us together as well. Lord, I say again, unless you move, uh, it doesn't do anything. So I'm asking you to speak to us today that you would bring your transforming, wonderful power on us, that where perhaps we live with concern, question, or doubt, where we're disheartened or disillusioned, would you speak life to us? In those places that we're growing and you want to fire us up more, would you do that? In places we're just stuck or even growing apathetic, Would you move there? Lord, whatever it is I do say or have to say, whatever's not of you, let it fall to the ground. Let it be forgotten. I do pray that whatever is from you, Lord, you would breathe life, you would speak, you would prompt, you would lead us. I join with the psalmist praying the words I speak and the way we respond in our hearts and actions would please you, our rock and our redeemer. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, I'm gonna take you back with me to... uh, It was just a little ways into our young married life. We had just bought our first house uh, and moved in. It was April of 1998, and we would, a month later, have our first child. Uh, And so we moved, and then all of a sudden we had a kid. We were just moving into family life, and our son, our oldest, thought it would be really good to be colicky. It was a joy as parents to have him scream for six weeks solid, nonstop, so we're in this new house. Our neighbors are around us with a screaming, colicky, nonstop child. And guess what? We didn't have air, so our windows were open all the time. Now, I didn't mention to you, we also decided we'd get a dog about a year before that when we first got married, and that was our little Yorkie. Yorkies are known for being very quiet, <laughs> never yipping or snapping at any movement of the wind. So we were making a lot of noise in our home and under a lot of duress. So during this time, somewhere along the way, we lived here for five years, we would have two more kids in the span of all that, and my neighbor had two loves, this particular one on the left. Uh, He was a school teacher, so he had summers home, and he did two things in the summer. He worked on his yard, which back in the 80s, there was a thing called, a guy named Jerry Baker that was really big about, uh, basically he had all these ways to grow things in your yard and do all the fertilizing with home products, like it was toothpaste, or I can't even remember what, you know, mouthwash. This guy was making concoctions all the time, which seemed very weird to me, but his yard was unbelievably amazing. Like, it was quite profound, which I'm sure he was so thrilled a few months in to realize I had taken my cues from Malcolm in the Middle, and it was pretty much a weed fest out where I was managing. 
So that was one of his loves. The second was he loved to take naps on his deck outside next to the family with little kids and a dog that never stopped barking. So I don't even remember when it was in the course of those five years, but we didn't talk much at all. You know, it's kind of a, a nod and whatever. I don't think I ever saw him smile. And uh, he came to me and said, hey, I, I, just, I just want you to know, I, I really like to take naps out on my porch in the afternoon. And then also at night, I mean, you're waking me up with your kids. And <laughs> I said, oh, well, I can understand the evening thing because who wants to be up at 2 and 3 in the morning? So we'll try and sweat it out and close our windows. But... I got to tell you, during the day, you're on your own. Like, I'm just not going to do anything to make sure my dog and my kids are quiet so you have a nap on the deck. That did not build a great friendship, but I was honest back. So the funny thing was, I don't think I ever saw him smile until the day I put a for sale sign out in front of the house. <laughs> I literally think he thought, oh, the Lord is alive and well. He's moved you on. Poor saps that are going to live next to you next. And I tell you that. Uh, because we're, we're in a series that we've called Give or Take, and it's really the idea of, of our, our, as followers of Jesus, are we meant to give of ourselves or take, or is there reciproc- are there limits to all that? What's it mean? So you'll, if you were with us, and if you weren't, I'll encourage you to go back the last two weeks. The first week, we looked at the very nature of Jesus in giving, that out of his love for us, he gives his very life for us to restore us to him, that His nature is a giving nature. It's the greatest act of love we learned in the first week. And he doesn't sacrifice so we're lovable. He sacrifices out of love for us so we can be in relationship again. And then last week, Dina beautifully challenged and encouraged us and had the simple phrase that Jesus said, it will be different with you. And the idea that we live as servants, we don't live as people that try to power up and get more. Well, this week, we're really going to look at the limit of that. What does that mean and just so you know, it was a common question in the life of Israel when Jesus came to walk the earth. They were always asking the rabbis and the leaders, well, who's my neighbor? Which was code for, when can I stop loving? Because they had two rules. You love God, you love your neighbor. And they're like, I got to know who my neighbor's not so I don't have to love them. And many of them even interpreted scripture to mean love your neighbor, hate your enemies. Because there are some passages that are kind of harsh and all that. So they were basically asking, hey, we got to know when we don't have to deal with this. What's the line? And that's what we're going to look at today. What's the line where you go, I, I love my neighbors, but not this one? So I'm going to take you to Jesus' teaching. And, and this is something he addresses in each of the accounts. We have four accounts of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And each of them has a little different slice of it. Matthew, Mark, and Luke have similar pieces, sometimes even stories that either are the same or other aspects of other events that are similar. So I, I want to just tell you this. We, we always put the scripture up here on the screen so you have it in front of you. Always we love if you have a, an app that can open up the Bible or bring your own Bible. Even more than that, though, we want you to go home and read throughout the week. And we gave you a reading plan even for this series. If you didn't get it, you can go online and get it as well. So I'm going to take you to Luke's account. This is Luke chapter 6. And and I'll tell you this just leading up to it. Jesus has just done a series of teachings before he does this part of it that are called blessings and woes. And believe me, it messes with everybody because he basically says, blessed are you when you're poor and woe to you that have a lot. Blessed are you when life is difficult, woe to you when it's easy. And, And he's throwing the kingdom upside down going, there's something powerful about who God is in the midst of difficulty and lowliness that we can lose when we kind of think more highly of ourselves. 
And now he's going to move to this question, what's the limit of all this? And this is what he says. Hey, but you who are listening now, say, I say this, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. (laughs) Does that bug anyone else here? I mean, can we be honest? Does that sound crazy? Can you, can you think of all the things in your mind that, well, that's not healthy. I mean, I, I'm taking advantage of it. I don't want to. We have lots of reasons we don't want to and lots of things we would come up with that say, that's not who I am. I don't want to live this way. And what we're going to explore today is both the most profound, I think, teaching one of them of Jesus and both the most difficult. Because all of us want to have limits to when we have to love people, don't we? You guys are so quiet. Let me just do it this way. I want to show of hands who those go, that sounds impossible. I don't like it. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm totally with you. The rest of you, you're just so much more spiritual than us. But I read this and I go, you've got to be kidding me. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. I don't get it. And I want you to understand, it's not even just from a what happens to us. We tend to, as people who follow Jesus, we have concerns. If I'm loving to this person and they live in a different way, am I compromising the conduct in the way of a Christian? Or if I love this person and they're not living out things they should be to helping people, am I complicit by simple association? We do a lot to kind of make sure we're drawing lines and not engaging with people that are not like us and that we don't even see things the way they do, don't we? I mean, think about it, even in the culture we live in right now. We're we're near an election cycle, so some of you probably have put out signs of what you're for or against or whatever else. Now, I don't know, I didn't seem this way before, but now it's kind of like you see signs and you're like, enemy, neighbor, enemy, neighbor. And can you imagine, I think even in our conversations, while we don't have a sign in our yard, we're like, hey, let me know what you think about this. Up, definitely an enemy. What do you think about that? Up, neighbor. What do you think about, up? And then you might have an, an, a neighbor and nine of them, and you get one that's not the same. Oh, well, I thought they were a neighbor, but they got one attribute that's an enemy. must be enemy. It's going to infiltrate the rest of their lives. Because we are an enemy-driven culture, aren't we? Can we agree that's true? I mean, we're constantly being told, where do I get to draw the line? It's so funny to me, thinking back on the life of Israel and then the life of the early church, that the question was constantly, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? Which is code for... Come on, draw the line. I don't want them to be. And so we're going to look at this directly and ask the question, what is God saying to us today? What's this mean to be a giver? Because it really doesn't make sense. And in case you think this is a radical idea, it shouldn't have been. Because even in the Old Testament, even in the Hebrew Bible, God had all these allowances and specific ways you reached out to a neighbor when they were your enemy. In the law, it would say, for example, if your enemy has an animal wandering around, you get it and take it back to them. In other words, you help them when they're about to go through destruction. If your enemy is is down by the side of the road and something's kind of pinning them, you help them get up. If your enemy is hungry, you feed them. If your enemy is thirsty, you give them something to drink. It wasn't even that it was completely new. It was that they'd interpreted it differently. In the account that Jesus has of the same teaching in Matthew... It says, he says, you've heard it said, love your enemy, or love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. And then it goes on with words like this. 
Because there was a common belief that to really follow God, it meant you had enemies and you separated yourself from them. And that is what we're living in today. And it really hits the idea of being a giving person. What does this look like? Now, you might go, well, he says, bless those who curse you, pray for them who mistreat you, do good things. So maybe it's just, I made cookies for my neighbor, I said a prayer that God would smite them, or maybe bless them through smiting them, and I, I'm going to bless them in other ways. <laughs> you laugh, I've prayed that for. I prayed that at about, no, I'm just kidding, joking. Just kidding, I'm, I'm not that much of a mess. Well, I am, but... This is, now he describes it. This is crazy to me. If they, one slaps you on the cheek, turn the other to them also. If someone takes your coat, ah, give them your shirt. Give to everyone who asks. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not man, demand it back. And then he clarifies, do to others as you'd have them do to you. Does anyone want to make an argument against this? It is weird, isn't it? Seriously? Aren't we taught don't be taken advantage of, don't... Don't allow, have boundaries. Like This throws my mind into confusion when I read this. Now, I want you to take you to Jesus' other teaching on it because it makes it a little clear in Matthew. He gives three examples, and they're similar. The first one is if someone slaps you, give them the other cheek. Now, there's an image to this that we don't know. It's nuanced more, but in the culture of Rome, if you slap someone, they were lesser than you, and you could. So you could slap kids, slaves, and women. And there, that was actually not only allowed, it was fine to do. Not good, is it? I'm not making a case for that by any means. But he's saying if that happens, if someone with power over you takes advantage of you, let them. Am I getting you mad yet? Let me take it to the next one. The next one, actually, here it just says if they want your coat. In Matthew, he says, if they... Go and have a suit against you. If they sue you, give them even more. And he's talking about people that could sue had enough resource to do it, and you probably didn't. So again, someone in power of you takes advantage. It's okay, let them have more. And then he goes on to the final one. This, I mean, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? You guys aren't looking mad, but I know inside, you're West Michigan mad. We're going to smile, but we're ticked inside. I know West Michigan mad. I do it well, too. It's how we all do it around here. It's crazy what we do. And the last one, it's the letting you take something and you carry it for someone. That's Matthew's version. And that one, that's a military. A Roman soldier could say, I've got stuff, you have to help me for a mile. And then you'd be done. He's saying, if they ask you for a mile, do two. If the people in power over you take advantage of you, let them and give them more. You're welcome. I know that's really helpful to you. And, and I want you to consider with me, we do not like people getting us. Are we not a culture of revenge? Can we agree that we are? I mean, I look, I look at growing up, just think about movies. I look back and go, Marty McFly in the Back to the Future movies. His problem was, it created all his life struggles, that somebody called him a chicken, and he couldn't handle being mocked. So he went back after them. Not to him, it actually led to destruction. He had to learn about it. But that's not usually how they end, is it? Let me ask you another one. I have a unique set of skills. That is Liam Neeson. Someone that got his daughter, he's going to get them, and they're going down. You think he's the only one that did that? No, no, take it back a little further. For those of you who are older, and if you're not, you should know these, but go ahead, make my day. Clint Eastwood, someone got him, he was going to take them down worse. Take it a little more back. 
I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. I'm the godfather. You mess with me, you're going down. Is that not the culture we live in? We love when things are unfair and we get them back, don't we? Now, why is Jesus saying don't get them back? Isn't that confusing? And yet, is there part of us that goes, something's profound about this. Something is crazy that Jesus is telling them not to get people back. That Jesus is living in a way that makes no sense to any of us. I want to come back to it, but I want you to hear what he goes on to say. Because he's going to slap, literally, what all of us think and live like. He gives examples of how most of us live. He goes, hey, listen. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? And then he says, even sinners love those who love them. Oh, and by the way, if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And then he gives a third example. Oh, and if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. Come on, does that not mess you up? It messes me up. It's transactional. You know what? We give as long as there is a return on investment. We give to the people that are like us. We give as long as we get back. Somewhere there's got to be a return on investment, a reciprocity. And when there's not, we want to use power to overcome it. Isn't that what we're told everywhere we go? You want to fight with me? I have more power, I will win. You want to fight with me? I will bring those who have power along with me. We will win. And God in heaven says, that's not how power works. <laughs> we started this the first week. He said, you want to know what the most loving, powerful act is? Lay down your life for somebody else. And this shakes us to the core, doesn't it? It's crazy. I wasn't intending to, to preach this text for this series. I started to work on this and write it. And... Uh, what really got to me was I've been doing just my own quiet time study through Luke's gospel. And it's just been slow. I haven't tried to rush through it, just kind of sitting. And I got to this text, and I couldn't leave it. Like, I just couldn't get away from Jesus saying, love your enemies, and thinking, you know what? I got a list that's growing of these people. And, and I don't know about you. Can, can we all agree that we have people we really don't want to love now? It's kind of getting bigger. The list's getting bigger for us. We have much more being told what you're not supposed to like than what you are and who you're not versus who you are. And everything that we get as input is reminding us they're not yours, they're not your neighbor, they're not your neighbor, they're not your neighbor. And it's getting more volatile and more vitriolic and more power-based. And Jesus is just messing with that. But let me take you to the core of it where it gets both the best and the worst. <laughs> then he says, love your enemies. Do good to them, lend to them without expecting to get anything back, then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. I, I'm sorry, is anybody else irritated by that? He goes on to say, be merciful as your father's merciful. He's kind to the ungrateful and wicked. I literally kept reading that for days because it drove me nuts. Seriously? Kind to the ungrateful and wicked? Now, I can be ungrateful and wicked, but it's a good ungrateful and wicked. And you know, you, got, you give it a wink and go, yeah, I've died for you. It's all good. You're one of mine. Well, there's, they are seriously wicked and seriously ungrateful. D does that not rattle you? You know why he says be children of your father? Be children of the most high? Because people who live like this king 
are his. <laughs> in other words, when we live like this, when we can be kind to the ungrateful and wicked, we live like Jesus. I mean, this is going to mess with us. And there's lots of reasons we fight against it. And I'll give you the first one that I think will, was kind of a core building for me, for all of us, is I don't think we fully grasp the depth of our own wickedness and lack of gratitude and don't grasp just how much God loves us. See, because that's what he's saying. Be kind to the wicked and ungrateful because God is kind to the wicked and ungrateful. Let me show you. Paul writes about this early leader in the church to explain it a little bit more. His letter to the church in Rome, he says, for if while we were God's what? Boy, you guys are like, the volume you give is shattering. For while we were God's, that's right, enemies. Not frenemies, enemies. We were reconciled to him through the death of his son. If that's true, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? In other words, it's not simply about Christ dying for us, though that's the foundation of it, the sacrifice of his love. It's his resurrection means he actually has new life for us, to be his people in new ways. And I will just say this to you. I think one of the reasons foundationally we don't know how to love our enemies is we don't really understand in a deeper way how God loves us when we're enemies to him. It sounds great. And, and I'll tell you, in this day and age, people don't even like to talk about sin. You know, the whole thing is like, or any kind of idea that God is only this way going to meet us, which both are true. <laughs> it's just a reality that you and I, at our core, have wickedness and lack of gratitude in us. That's true. Basically, the human story is God made us to be his, and we said we'd like to be you instead. We'd like your chair. That's what we say. We do it lots of ways. We try to advance ourselves, we live for ourselves, we live at the destruction of others, we long for things that we know if anyone saw, we would be ashamed and embarrassed of. But at the end of the day, we do what we can to get where we want for us. We are ungrateful and wicked. I think when we really can let ourselves understand that, we really begin to understand just how much God loves us. <laughs> See, he's not asking us to love our enemies in a way he didn't do for us. He literally moved us from enemy to friend. Isn't that crazy? God goes, oh, you're going to fight against me and be wicked and ungrateful? He didn't bring a big army and go, I'm going to take you down a notch, and once you're down, then you'll want me. He went, I'm going to come into your life and die. Take on what you should have for your unkind, ungrateful, wicked ways and let you be one of mine. See, I think we miss that and we kind of run past it. But let me take you to the other part, which I think it moves us into, which is the mission we're called to live as his children. Paul says it this way in Corinthians to the letter there. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. They are, the new has come. The old is gone, the new's here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gives us the same message, ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. He's committed us to this very same message of reconciliation. In other words, the way it works is Jesus not only forgives us, and in case you don't know, reconciling literally means to go from 
enemy to friend. That's what reconciling means. You take enemies, you make them friends. Isn't that cool? You want to know what reconciling is? Enemies become friends. This is the funny part. You don't know where in here, in the Jesus teaching here, does he tell us to forgive them? Though I'm not telling you you shouldn't. He's just saying love them. He's not saying you've resolved all the issues, you've done yourself. Love them. You reconcile. You treat enemies like friends. And they become that. And he's saying, guess what? We not only receive that, we're actually called to be a part of that. And then he makes it more clear. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. In other words, our ugliness, our wickedness, our ungratefulness, our brokenness, all the things we do that we wish we hadn't or at least no one saw, that's what he died for. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. But this is the part I want you to see. We're his ambassadors. I love that. An ambassador is one who carries the king's message, the king's life, the king's culture to those with them. In other words, we actually become him in the flesh for the people around us. We regularly talk to you about how you're deployed. It's because you are Christ's ambassadors and he's making his appeal by how you live. Now, we tend to reduce this to saying the words. Hey, I, I love you. I want you to know you're, you're a sinner and you're wicked and you are ungrateful. And you just have to ask Jesus for your forgiveness and then you can be his friend. That is true. But that doesn't sound like the way he means for us to do it. But it's the way we do it. We, oh, I, just, I gave them the message. I was helping them. I want you to understand it this way. You see, we speak the message of Jesus as we love our enemies. I don't think we just say it with our words. I think, think we say it by how we live. You see, as we love our enemies, we mess up their view of life. We work against the way everything is in this world of retribution and paying for what you do to actually loving like Jesus does. We become his ambassadors by how we love our enemies. That's how they get the message. And it gives place for the words too. It's word and deed, but we like to do word without deed. Hey, I'll tell them all about it and tell them how God loves them as long as I don't have to talk to them, listen to them, or look at them. And we miss the very central way God moves. Now, I want to give you three images that are used in Scripture, not this way, but they're images of the very body when God describes us that I think are making it harder for us. I want to give you this as a help and kind of an application. So there's the heart, there's the neck, and there's the eyes. So one of the things we have that all of us will go through at different times is hearts become diseased. In other words, they're plaque that build up and they don't function like they're supposed to. They get hard and they begin to not function the way they're intended. Scripture calls that hard-heartedness. Just the idea in the spiritual that you and I become hardened as we look at the people around us. Can you see how that might happen with people that don't think like us, act like us, live like us? The same way, we're just, oftentimes people are described as stiff-necked. Now, most of you hopefully haven't had to have surgery for things like this, though I do have titanium in my neck. I am titanium. That's what I tell people. But uh, they don't care. Neither do you. But the idea is your body breaks down and your neck becomes stiff and you can't turn or move. See, we become rigid. Uh-oh, I looked at what you think and believe. Uh, mine, I'm stiff towards it. I will not love you. I might tell you God loves you and you can be reconciled to him. Once you do that, and once you believe the things you should, and once you abandon the things you shouldn't, which, by the way, some of them aren't even going to be what God said. I just like them, and you should do them too. I've attached them to Jesus. You should. And let me take you the third one, the idea that this is like a cataract eye. The eyes can't see. And what I'm telling you is the more 
we live in a place of retribution, in a place of what we're due, in a place of limiting and saying, I will not love if, 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 if we get hard-hearted, we get stiff-necked, and we get eyes that don't see. So I would tell you one side of this is receiving the message, but much more it's about how we live it. I like to think of it this way. The message of Jesus speaks to us and through us as we love our enemies. In other words, we are both a giver and a receiver. When you and I begin to love the people around us that are different, we not only display who Jesus is and are his ambassadors, I think we experience it differently. Let me just give you one story to kind of pull this together. Watchman Nee, who was a Christian some years ago, author, theologian, told the story of two people that he knew that in China had um, their own rice patties. They were next to each other, these two people. And one of them was a Christian, and one was, I guess we'd just say an atheist, hedonistic, kind of looking out for themselves. Well, if you don't know with a rice paddy, you have to flood the, irrigate it this way. You flood it each day and get enough water, it, it soaks up and the rice eventually grows. So between the two, because the one who was not uh, a Christian happened, they had a board between the two so the water would go in but it would stay in each one. So this Christian would go out in the morning and he would literally pedal like a bike to get the water to move where it had to move into his and he would flood his own rice paddy. After he was done and went inside, the other one came out and took the boards away and the water would move over to theirs. And he did this day after day after day. And after a few weeks, this young Christian follower of Jesus began to pray, God, I don't know what to do. I mean, I, I'm worried that I'm going to lose my livelihood, that I won't be able to provide for my family, and I'm lost at how to deal with this. My enemy is taking from me. And he tells the story that he got a prompting from the Lord. Literally means a thought came to him. That's how he said it. And he doesn't tell right away, but here's what he did the next day. He went back out like he did, and this time he took the boards away before he did anything, and he flooded what was his neighbor's rice paddy first. Then he put the boards up and flooded his second. And he did this day after day after day for a few weeks, and both paddies began to grow. And the neighbor was so moved by it and challenged by it, they ultimately wanted to know more and began to follow Jesus. Because this young man said, I will love my neighbor. And it'll be one simple act after another. And I'm going to ask God how to love them. And even if it's to my own detriment, and come on, do we not all agree? You had to fill two a day? That's ridiculous. But here's what I believe. I think when they did it, the message of Christ spoke to them. They understood more how Christ loved them as an enemy and became friends. And then they also spoke through them to their very enemies. And what I want to say to you is, we live in a world that's constantly telling us they're not your neighbor, they're not your neighbor, they're not your neighbor, they're going to destroy you. You better use power to get them back. You better use power to protect it. You better use this and that. And Jesus says, no, no, love your enemies. Do good to them. Pray blessings for them. You know what? Do things that don't make sense one simple act at a time. Don't just think about the words you say. Think about how you live and share as well what you've discovered of Jesus making you friend from enemy. I think we'll change the world that way. I think God's calling all of us to live loving our enemies instead of constantly pointing out who they are and how they need to go down. And I don't know about you, but I'm getting exhausted listening to it. And I know it's not who God is. And I'll say it this way. I'm not accusing any of us individually, 
But when I talk to people who are not Christians, they're so disheartened by us because that's the perception they have. We want people like us to be our neighbors. And we will not be compromising and we will not be complicit, but we also end up not like Jesus. <laughs> and by the way, loving your enemies doesn't make you compromised or complicit. <laughs> Makes you like our Father in heaven. Now, I told you at the beginning, I don't think I can convince you of any of this. And you have so much more input in your life that's telling you the opposite, that a thought that I can change it is ridiculous. But we're going to do this. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to guide you through some prayer. And just ask God to speak to you. Ask God to maybe to do something I know I can't. But all the more, you've got a lot of input telling you, no, 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 this is not good. But I, guarantee, I, I am sure inside you're all going, there's something true about this, though. And I want to know God's love more, and I want to give it more. So I'll invite you to close your eyes. Uh, if you don't want to, that's fine, but just it's a way to kind of center. And I'm going to lead us in a little bit of prayer, and then we're going to worship out of that. So, uh, Lord, I'm just asking first for anyone among us that really doesn't know you, Jesus, that would you show them how you want to reconcile them to you? God, I pray, and I would ask you now, maybe in your own life, you're looking, going, oh, man, I see the ungratefulness. I see the wickedness. I see how I've wanted to be God, not be his. I've wanted to live this my own way. I can see the destruction in thought and action and in heart, that my heart is hard and my neck is stiff and my eyes are cloudy. And maybe for you today, it's just saying, Jesus, forgive me. Reconcile me. Move me from enemy to friend. Maybe you ask, Jesus, show me how much you love me by your very death. And Jesus, give me new life by your resurrection. We believe the Spirit comes to live in us. Ask the Spirit to live in your life. And then maybe for others of us, we know in our minds that Jesus died for us and made us friends where we were enemies that he reconciled us, but we don't really kind of reflect on that, believe it, live in it, or even appreciate it. We become ungrateful in our own way. Maybe your prayer today is, God, would you show me the height and breadth and depth and width of your love? Would you help me to become enamored and grateful for what you've done and how much you love me, even in the darkest place in my life? Ask the Lord to make that more real to you. And then I want to invite you to ask the Lord to bring to mind people you consider enemies now. And just ask the Lord, how can I love them? What would it look like? Give me a heart for them. How can I bring goodness to them? How can I pray for them? How can I pour water into their field when they don't, they want to take mine? Ask God where your heart is hard to make it soft. Ask God where your neck is stiff and stubborn to make it movable, pliable, and really humble. Ask God where your eyes have become cloudy to open them up to see beautifully what he sees and who he sees. Finally, just ask him to let you be an ambassador for him. Ask him to show you today, tomorrow, in the days ahead, 
And I'm going to ask you to do one more thing, which is make a commitment to start turning off, tuning out, and shutting down messages that are of hate, of limit to love, and of us versus them. That God will help you to see everyone as a neighbor and one you're to love, enemy or friend. So Lord, I say again, I can't change anybody here or change any of our minds, my own included. And we all cry out, would you breathe life in us? Would you tenderize us or we become hardened? Would you help us to shut down the messaging that's telling us hate and power and division? And would you even reveal to us how we can live in an uncompromised, non-complicit way that loves people still? Change us in that way, Lord, for your glory, for our joy. And even now, again, reveal to us the height, depth, and breadth and width of your love for us and the hope we have in you and you alone. I pray this in your name. Amen. Let me have you stand and we're going to worship in response and we'll celebrate communion in the midst of that too.
Let me invite you to be seated just for a few minutes. You should have received the cup when you came in. It has a bread on the top layer and then the drink in the bottom. The church for all its history has celebrated communion regularly, what we call the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist. That it's a centering act in the church because it centers around what we just sang, that Jesus lived and died on our behalf and not only reconciles us but gives new life through his resurrection. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it. He said, this is my body given for you. In essence, you take of me, you move from enemy to friend. You discover how much I love you through my own sacrifice for you. Let's take of the bread. In the same way, Jesus took the cup. He said, it's a new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of your sins. And when you take of this, you remember me too. You remember that I sacrificed and died so you may live in connection. And you remember that I've made you my ambassadors, that you give the cup of love and freedom and forgiveness to others in how you live and what you say. Let's take of the cup. Oh, Lord, I ask this would be meaningful and sacramental, not just a routine, that the understanding of your love would deepen in us and the understanding of your call as your people will deepen in us too. Let me invite you to stand and we wanna proclaim again what Jesus has done as a sense to build up our own confidence and life and heart and who he is and who we are in him. Then came the morning that sealed the promise your very body began to breathe. And out of the silence, the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. Let's sing that again. Then came the morning that sealed the promise your very body began to break out of the silence the roaring lion deep and great has no claim on me Jesus your is the faith 
your hands out. I want to give you a blessing. I want to remind you too that we have a reading plan. There's five days of reading this week that will reinforce, engage, expand on your heart for him to love those around you. And so that's online. If you didn't get one of the bookmarks, you can just jump into this week's. But let's fill ourselves with who he is. Now, may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, may he continually fill you with the Spirit. May he increasingly awaken you to just how much he loves you, that he has reconciled you to him. And may you increasingly become his ambassadors that love your enemies in ways that don't make sense, but give life and make more than sense to those around us for his glory and your joy. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.